So there we go, from 1970, the smash hit for the uh, spinners that is, continues to be It's a Shame, uh, with those wonderful vocals of GC Cameron live on the phone. I've got the man himself, GC Cameron. Welcome to Radio Newark. Welcome to England. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I love being here, and I appreciate you guys so much for helping us and being there for me. And It just means the world to me. Thank you very much. So how do you prefer to be addressed? Can I call you G? You just call me G. Excellent. Thank you. Uh-huh. I mean, you are a true Motown veteran, aren't you? Um, best known <laughs> best known for It's a Shame and uh, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday. But there's so yeah. much more besides. I mean, where, where did it, uh, how did you start singing? Were you in church? Yeah, yeah, we started in church and we uh, graduated from that. I guess you can call it graduating to a bigger stage, which is no bigger stage than church, in fact, but as we grow, you know, we go. Yeah. And we migrated to Detroit when I was um, eight years old. Wow. And we left Mississippi. Yeah. Well, I mean, Detroit, yeah, is, uh-huh. Detroit is certainly the place to be in the uh, in the 50s and 60s for developing yes, music. Indeed. It was a hub, wasn't it? it? It was a place, man. It was a place to be. And uh, growing up there in Detroit was just such an incredible experience for me. And so much talent and good friends like Dennis Edwards. Yeah. And... Paul and David and Eddie, you know, whom I came to know later, but they were just great people, man. And, and my family who supported me tremendously through all my whole career. And so it's just been good. Excellent. It's been good. And, you know, it makes you just want to keep doing music because you understand the importance of the music itself. It is really the heartbeat of society in my mind. Great. I mean, you, you didn't even have opportunities to leave music behind when you joined the Marines. I mean, you did four and a half years active service in Vietnam and still found time to sing. Yeah, yeah. Only God can do that for you. That mm. uh, was something that uh, was so spontaneous until, you know, I don't, sometimes I think about it myself and it marvels me to mm. see how blessed I am to have gone through that and still be able to be with Motown and these groups that I've been in, it's been as an attempt and sing, still able to sing. That's a miraculous blessing. Yeah, you certainly are blessed with the talent, aren't you? And you've got six different singing styles. Let's have a listen to a track from 1973. This is It Doesn't Matter Where. Nice track. And am I right in thinking that an officer heard you singing on board ship and asked you to perform for the wives? Yeah, yeah, well, I was on our way to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> and I had had nest duty for two days, and I said, oh, I don't like this. This ain't right. <laughs> and so one of the guys, uh, a friend of mine, one of the sergeants said, you know, PLC Cameron, he's a singer, he can sing. And so the officer asked me, he says, oh, would you be interested in singing for the officer's wives up on the next deck? I said, yes, I, I would love to do that. And that was my job for the remaining of the trip. Excellent, <laughs> so sweet. In a sense, it's kind of, the bug kind of bit me the first time right there. You know, I said, this is really interesting. I didn't have to do mess with you no more. Absolutely. That was great. <laughs> Absolutely. And it gave you the confidence to um, to perform in talent shows, didn't it, at various bases? And they were very, yeah, very yeah, well received. Yeah, I was, yeah, in fact, you know, not uh, egotistically maniacal about it, but I never lost talent show. That Fantastic. Was very, <laughs> that what was what a record. Brilliant. But I mean, it's your, your, your voice. You've um, 
people say you've got six different voices because you've got this unique talent of being able to replicate other singers, haven't you? Like Smokey Robinson yeah. and Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. Curtis, uh, Jacqueline, Sam, Marvin. It's just, I guess, being born on a farm, having so many animals like we had, mm-hmm. mimicking sounds like we did, you know, you could call the cows, you could call the horses, you could call the pigs. And so I just used that to record. <laughs> wow. So as a yeah. teen, who were your influences, your musical influences? Curtis, yeah. Jackie, Sam, and Hank Sr. Oh, Those right. four, yeah, Hank Williams Sr. Uh, we grew up in a town where there was one radio station, which was WLAC, Nashville, Tennessee, okay. with John R. and Horseman, and they played everything on that station and that's where I learned the sounds of, of the great artists and the people that we love uh, in this music business and so I studied it and studied it and it became a natural thing to grab one of their songs and I think it was uh, my ego at that time believing that I could do anything that they could do Right, and, and that was the only thing I had to go by was what they had done so well, I learned to do it like that, and it just kind of came out like that, I think. To yeah. be fair, there's a lot of truth in the saying, if you think you can do it, then you can, and if you think you can't, then you won't. So, uh, right. yeah, absolutely. It's positive mental attitude. Um, yeah. <laughs> you you uh, got married, took a wife, Barry Gordy's sister. Yeah, yeah Gwen Gordy. Yeah. And Gwen Gordy Cameron is an incredible woman. She um, did so much for me. I mean, she was a very intelligent lady. And very powerful woman. And, uh, well, she owned tri records, didn't she? Yeah. She and uh, uh, ex-husband Harvey Fuqua, uh-huh. who auditioned me to become a spinner. Right. Right. And Harvey was my, yeah, Harvey was my husband-in-law. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk to you about that interview, because that, that audition must have been one of the shortest ever. You were demobbed from the uh, Marines in 67, and yeah. um, you were approached by, was it Dennis Edwards? to say that there was a vacancy coming up in the spinners and yeah, uh, you were invited over for an interview uh, for an audition tell me about that yeah. well dennis was very close to my family he and my brother dave were best friends mm-hmm. and when i came home from vietnam he called my brother dave and heard and said i heard g was home from the war is he still interested in singing and so my brother dave said yeah i'll get in touch with him and let him know so my brother dave called and my brother Earl James took me up to Hitsville. He lived on Kidman, which is a block from Hitsville mm-hmm. on the boulevard. Yeah. And we went out there and we went into artist development, which was where all the artists learned to dance and to mm-hmm. learn background parts and things like that. And the four spinners were in there when I got there. And I walked in and introduced myself to them. And I introduced myself. There was Billy Henry Purvis and Bobby. Yeah. And we talked for a while. And then suddenly... These two giants came into the room, Harvey Fuqua and Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like blown away in a sense, you know. And Marvin said something like, well, is this the guy y'all was waiting on? And they were like, well, yeah, we ain't, you ain't saying nothing yet. And he said, well, sing something for me. And I think I hit a couple of notes from Jackie Wilson. And he said, oh, he'll do, he'll do, he'll do. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that, that was my beginning, yeah. And uh, you, had a, you had a bit of a baptism of fire, didn't you? Because, I mean, barely a month after coming home from the war, you found yourself on stage at the Apollo Theatre, which was more frightening. 
been on the ground in oh, Vietnam or been in front of an man. audience like that? Dear me. Now, you know, now that's a hard one, but yeah. I have to put it into perspective. Yeah, that, of course, you yeah. Know, uh, tongue in cheek. They could hit, most of they could hit me with on stage was a tomato. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, but it was over a, there was a different thing. Absolutely, so yeah. And Motown didn't waste any time getting in the recording studio either, did they? This is bad, bad weather. And there's bad, bad weather, the distinctive Motown sound. It must have been great joining Motown. Coming into Motown at that time was just an incredible blessing for me in my mind and for the things that I wanted to do. Just incredible blessing well it must have been such a boss because motown was at the top of its game wasn't it in uh, 67 68 really you're surrounded by what? people like Smokey robinson the miracles Dinah ross and the supreme stevie wonder gladys knight the list just goes on they're all household names and i never really had paid any attention to motown uh being in the marines we were I'm a, i was always overseas i was yeah. always in the mediterranean in europe uh in asia uh in vietnam during my last part of my career in the, in the military. So I wasn't aware, only except on the radio where we heard uh, in combat out here, mm. Motown songs and Beyond Warwick and all the people who had the big hits, you know, during that time. And I listened and listened and it was like fascinating. So when I got home, I wasn't really aware of the power that Motown was packing at that time. I had too many other things going on, but after I got there and realized I was with David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks and Levi Stubbs and Dinah Ross and Mary Wilson and Martha Reeves and Lois and all these people, yeah. and it hit me that, wow, this is dynasty, this is royalty here. Fantastic. And um, that's when I began to change my game. I realized that I had some serious singing to do if I was going to help these spinners to do what they wanted to do, and I took it very serious. Mm. And uh, we did good. We did real good. You did as well, yeah. Thanks to Stevie Wonder, yeah. Well, Stevie and Ivy Hunter and the great producers, Norman Whitfield, of course, mm. and Harlan Dozier Holland, who I've been blessed to work with all these incredible producers uh, coming out of the Marines over the years. And it's just, you know, you begin to feel like, uh, am I worthy of it? You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just musical royalty. Oh, and no. I've been blessed to be a part of that. Oh, no, you, you uh, certainly... Um added to the value of Motown. Uh, your version of Message from a Black Man was a, a, a Norman Whitfield Barrett Strong composition, and yes, um, that's a, a very nice take on that, uh, on that track. Shall we give it a play? But of course the the big one was It's a Shame, written by Stevie Wonder, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Am I right in thinking... Stevie Wonder. Uh, yeah, bless. Am I right in thinking that it took him a year to issue that song? Surely that yeah, would have been a hot potato. The song disappeared and, and vanished for somewhere, and a young lady named Gina Jackson, mm -hmm. God bless her, she found acetate for that song and presented it, I think, before Mr. Guardian, told him this was a hit record, and apparently he gave her the go-ahead to release it, and... That was history from that point. Wow. Up until this day. You know, I think it's probably getting more play than any song the Spinners ever recorded. Yeah, so it's... playing every, every day all over the country. All over America. the world. And it's still getting played oh, over really? here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, wow. uh, it's one of those songs when... Um, everybody's got a handful of songs that take them back to a certain time and a certain place and uh, right. and that's that's one of those that's certainly one of oh, those well, that's great Thank you also you. you also recorded a, an lp 
on uh, on Motown called Second Time Around. Yes, Second Time Around. Lovely. I'll oh tell you. wow! Yeah, yeah. That was uh, who was that? I cut so many. I did uh, Love Song and Other Tragedies, which was my first mm-hmm. CD. The GC Cameron CD. That's what It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday was on that CD. Right. Um, Give Me Your Love. That was produced by Holland Doja Holland. Okay. And um, the Sarita GC Cameron album, Rich Love, Poor Love. Mm, mm. That that was a little bit later, wasn't it? I mean, the the track, I mean, it's a a lovely album, second time around. But the track on there for me is um, a cover of D.D. Warwick's Don't Pay Them No Mind. What a beautiful record. Yeah. You know, pay them no mind. Yeah. Let's have a listen. That song, Ivy Johanna produced that song. All right. And man, I love that song so much. I always wanted to sing that song live, and I never had a chance actually to sing those particular songs, but they are so powerful. And that song in particular, you know, it, it has a certain feeling, a certain spirit about yeah, it that yeah. is real, yeah. you know. And that's the thing. When and you I when you sing it. it, you feel it, don't you? There's so much emotion packed yeah. within those bars. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah, that was on the second time around yeah. uh, album. Uh-huh. It, it was. Maybe you'll get a chance to sing it uh, next year across in the UK. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a moment. But um, okay. the rest of the group were a little bit discontented at Motown, and they, they decided to move to Atlantic. But, um, but you stayed with the label, didn't you? Yes, uh, we all had separate contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Gordy always signed everyone individually, so I guess moving people around. Dennis that was was with the Contours before yep. he was with the Temps, and so he put him in Temps. And uh, so when the Spinners got ready to leave, uh, we were moving to California because I was yeah. involved with Gwendolyn, and it was really a situation where had I left with the Spinners and broke my contract, then Mr. Gordy could have kept the name of the Spinners. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't have had the name. So it was best that I did stay. And they moved on to Atlantic, especially getting with Tom Bell and having my cousin Felipe get in the group after I left was just tremendous for them. I was very thrilled and happy and proud of them Mm. for that accomplishment because uh, it just meant the world to me. You know, the music is just so incredible because Tom Bell is just the best producer. (laughs) Yeah, he did a lot of great work, didn't he? A lot of great work. So going across to Los Angeles then, um, Motown put you on their new label, Moest. Mo West. Yeah. <laughs> what a label that was. A pretty label. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty label, but it was um, a bit experimental, wasn't it? They got all sorts of yeah, uh, it was, it was genres on it. Extremely experimental. Yeah. Yes. And, um, but if you notice, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday, it was on the Motown label. Right. Because I changed labels. I told Mr. Guardian, I, I don't want to be on Mo West no more. I want to be on the Motown label. So they put me on the Motown label. So that was good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a nice bit of branding, isn't it? Because Mo West never yeah. really got any direction, did it? That's right. No. Uh, Mo West, and yeah, it uh, kind of fizzled out, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, Willie I- Hutch. Yeah, Willie Hutch and myself did a lot of songs on the Mo West, some singles that we did on the Mo West label. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, turned your hand to songwriting and producing, didn't you, with uh, Time and Tipping? Yes, I started out, that was my beginning of production and writing uh, experiment. And thank God I've improved some, but I found it amazing that some people love those songs. I'll tell you, my my favourite from that period is Topics. (laughs) 
Oh Fair yeah, Tommy. Fair and enough. I wanted to do a jazz thing, okay. but I wanted to cover the conditions at the same time. I guess I got that from Norman Whitfield. Right. Listening to him do his thing, and I said, "Wow, topics is what everybody's talking about." But what do we what do we do about these topics? You know, you know. And the one where I said, uh, uh, "The forest has ceased to be when we need a flower, not a tree." Mm. That was an indication of the death of men. The flower was yeah. meant for, and so we, the forest was becoming irrelevant if we're not living to take care of it or to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, instead of uh, the forest, you know, we need a flower, not a tree. Flash on the news, they said that the black people got the blues, and I say, what is a black people? <laughs> there ain't no such thing. No. People are saying they just got different names. So that is how we look at things and to change the perspective of, I guess, judging everything about what we see with our eyes instead of what we feel with our hearts. Yeah. Quite right. And so that song came from that. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned you mentioned your debut LP, Love Songs and Other Tragedies. But um, in '76, you brought out a self-titled album, GC Cameron, and uh, on mm-hmm. there is another personal favourite of mine, Strong Love. Let's give it a listen. That's gone, uh, gone strong down. Love. Yeah. yeah, that's James Carmichael. All oh, right, a friend of mine. James was the producer for Lionel Richie. Well, all right. the hits on Lionel Richie. That was Carmichael, and this was before Lionel even, you know, got their first hits. James uh, produced that song, that album for um, that. He arranged that particular track for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I wrote the song uh, on a whim, you know. But I've listened to it after that, and I realized I did the wrong melody. I need to write another melody because <laughs> the track was so strong. Oh, I, think I didn't on. get the, the just that I wanted it to get. It was just a beautiful track, and and I didn't do it justice because I didn't get the right melody. But yeah. I was young then. I was yeah. only 25, something like that, yeah. 26. So, and I didn't really have the idea about what this music thing was supposed to be about. But being with the right people like I was, I learned a little bit mm. from them. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say, having having experience working at Motown across in Detroit at Hitsville, and then going across to the huge corporation that was uh, the Motown Group in in Los Angeles. Um, were you able? Did, did you have free creative license? Was anyone? Um, did you have any restrictions? Did they tell you what sort of a sound they wanted, or were you able to um, no, be I in had, charge I of your own creativity? Blanks. I had card blanks on everything. Brilliant. Uh, when I had a song, I just go in the studio. And unfortunately, you know, my wife, she took care of all that and made sure everything happened that I wanted to happen. And so I had no problems. You know, when I needed studio time, I'd get in touch with the arrangers, the musicians, call them in, they play. Uh, and uh, bam, that was it. You know? Yeah. But it, so uh, this was constant. It was, it, it, say, constant. It was a 24 hour operation, wasn't it? I was interviewing Bonnie Pointer yeah. a few weeks ago, and she said they actually mm-hmm. had bedrooms. So they, they, if you were creative and in, asleep, you could get up and say, yeah. I've got a song, I've got a song, I've got to get it down. Well, one of the, one of the great things about Mr. Gordy was he said he saw the long range thing. He felt yeah. the, the whole thing was a perpetual thing, like the Ford assembly line, it should not stop. So mm-hmm. if someone has got a creative idea, don't suppress it because creative ideas have tendency to fly away yeah. if you don't use them. Yeah. And I think he understood that better than most people do. And so he allowed it and fixed it so that 
the creative people could go into the studio and cut these records anytime, you know. I mean, you set your studio time up, get your uh, musicians together, and go in and put that stuff on track. Well, I'll tell you, so that's why you have such a great uh, abundance of, of music uh, publishing. The publishing company, Joe Bat. Yeah. It's just so full of great music, you know. I'll say he'd certainly got it right, especially with um, uh, you're producing tr- uh, tracks like You're What's Missing in My Life. Still getting plays on the modern soul scene over here. That always yeah. goes down a storm. What a beautiful rare groove track. Yeah, that's Holland Doja Holland. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're what's missing in my life. It's a great album. Very you know, nice. First, I had a chance to show off my pecs and my movement, you know, my <laughs> Marine Corps stuff on the beach. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. That was great. <laughs> um, so you also, um, he started pairing you off, didn't he? With, you did duets with Sirita. Yeah, um, we did a Rich Love, Poor Love. Yeah. Uh, that was a Michael Smith production. Suzanne DePass, who was Barry's assistant, um, put that album together for us. Mm-hmm. And Sarita and myself went in, and I was on Sarita's first album, a song called I Want to Be By Your Side. Right. And that Speedy produced her first album, and that was a hit off her album. And so we kind of like teamed up, I guess, over the years after that. And when I. They said, look, we need y'all to do a duet together. This was after Marvin and Tammy had, yeah. you know, stopped uh, doing it. Tammy was gone, in fact. And um, we went into the studio, and it's a masterpiece, really. Mm. Mm. But you can only buy it in Japan. Oh, right. I didn't realize that. It's got a beautiful... Yeah. Uh, I mean, Rich Love, Poor Love, you can only buy it from Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, the track for me on there, that it, I'll Try Love Again. I'll Try Love Again. Yeah. 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 Never really found the real looking <laughs> for Did we? Da-da, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to play that next. And taken from the 1977 LP Rich Love, Poor Love, there's Sirita and yourself with a great track, I'll Try Love Again. She is just an incredible singer. This lady was just... Yeah. marvelous i mean incredible and it was just a pleasure honor and a privilege just, you know to do an album with her and yeah. it was really good for my soul and because yeah. uh, i love stevie so much you know and that was his wife so yes with much respect so much respect for both of them and she also co-penned it's a shame along with lee garrett oh, I didn't so know that. Stevie, yeah stevie won us mm-hmm. and lee garrett they wrote that song right you also and were then, coupled up with tata vega didn't you didn't LP with her. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, I got my second win. Mm-hmm. Man, that's uh, Tata Vega. Wow, what yeah. an artist. Yeah. That lady. Yeah, I've been into her music for, oh my goodness, the first time I heard her, I knew then. I said, this lady here is something special, and I sure would like to record with her. She was being managed by a friend of mine named Winston Mosaic, oh, right. who produced uh, All Is Fair and Love Okay, on me. Uh, on the, uh, I think it was the uh, Love Song of Another Tragedies album. Oh. He produced that song and uh, he managed her. And so he managed to figure it out. And uh, Simone, Simone uh, called us into the studio and I went in. We we recorded it separately. We went together uh, in the studio at the time, sort of like Pat LaBelle and Michael McDonald mm-hmm. did that thing. So I went in and did the vocals and poem and, and then she did it. And I heard it about six months later maybe a year later wow. i was like whoa man this is good yeah <laughs> definitely let's give it a play 
And so there's Give Me Your Love, the title track from your 1983 LP, but that was on Malico. So what made you decide to leave Motown? Did you just want to change a direction or... Um, yeah, you know, I... Sometimes I it's just to, time to move on, isn't it? Well, yeah, it was in, in that sense and dealing with a lot of war issues. All right. Uh, war doesn't turn you loose easy. Thankfully, so music, it's not a position yes. I've ever experienced, had any experience of, and right. I wouldn't swap well, for the world. I can world. tell you from experience, it doesn't let you go, and so you've got to work yourself around it because certain businesses you can't use that mindset in, and yeah. the business that we're in calls for love, not hate, yeah. calls for peace, not war. And so I had to deal with that. So I decided to go home, back to Mississippi. And you're my mom and my dad and my brothers, my sisters and my grandmother. And we just kind of, it was great. It was a fantastic time for me. Best time I had in a long time when I moved home in 1980. And um, I just felt it was time for a change. Yeah. I needed a change because uh, it was very necessary. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you've got to take a deep breath and step back, haven't you, and realize what's actually important in life. That's right. And you uh, went back into the studio and recorded for Malico Records. Yeah, Give Me Your Love. Give Me Your Love. That title track is a belter. And uh, A Night Like This in Georgia. A Night Like This in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Let's give it a play. I wonder what she's doing on a night like this <laughs> in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, that album, that was one of the best piece of musical works that I've been blessed to do, the Malico album. I, I mean, it touches, people still begging for it, but you got to order it from Japan, too. Oh, I don't right. know why they keep sending my stuff to Japan, man. I really don't. But uh, in order to get it, you got to get it from Asia. You got to order it out of Japan. Wow. i tell you, the Japanese market is mad for uh, soul music, especially 70s, 80s soul. Mad wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've toured there three or four times, and mm-hmm. I mean, each time was sold. I, in fact, I went and helped Dennis Edwards out right. uh, three or four years ago. I went to Asia with him when uh-huh. Ollie Woodson got sick. In fact, and I sat in for Ollie, and um, every you know every show that I've done during the fifteen twenty years I've been going has been sold out. I mean, it's like madness, man. It's beautiful. Excellent. They yeah. know everything about you. Yeah, yeah. And if you forget the words, they know them, don't they? <laughs> That's right. If you forget the words, they got you, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So you did some work um, with a UK label owner, Ian Levine, from Motor City. Um, Ian Levine. Ian Levine. (sighs) One of the best pieces of work also that I did was with Ian Levine. And that album, the best of GC Cameron, Motor City Records, I think, there were 16 songs on that album. I wrote eight of them originally, uh-huh. and the other eight was Motown Records. Right. And so we did everything on that. I did uh, Runaway Child mm-hmm. on that album, and uh, I mean, just a conglomerate amount of stuff. That's really beautiful stuff. Is that the album and with no? It. Is that the album with a track called No Need to Explain on it? Because that is beautiful. Yes. A great track from a great LP. So, we just listened to uh, No Need to Explain, taken from the Right or Wrong CD, 1991. Great track. No Need to Explain. I wrote that. Yeah. And uh, 
a song called Good Times Up Ahead. Uh-huh. You know, massive song. You know, it's just a beautiful song. That whole album is really superb. Too Busy Thinking About My Baby. Mm-hmm. That's on there. I mean, it's just a, a mecca treasure of songs that I was blessed to do on that album. And, um, you know, I, I haven't heard from Ian in years. I hope he's fine. Well, I pray that actually, he's actually, he's not ever so well. He had a stroke a couple of years ago, and it's left him in oh. a wheelchair. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'm so yeah. sorry to hear that. Yeah, but uh, he was a great cat, and uh, he did. I was thrilled that he did that album because it preserved a lot of the stuff and gave me an opportunity to really uh, skill my writing thing mm. to get better at what I was doing uh, with the pencil. And uh, he helped me tremendously to do that, and I'm grateful. Hey, so and we made a yeah, we made a, a project that will last a lifetime. Yeah, he certainly so, is very creative. He knows his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You also had a gospel show on WLBT. Tell me about that. That was around that time. I had the number one gospel show on TV. It was called Truth and Reality. Yeah. And it, I kept it for a year. I didn't realize it was number one until I folded and I was getting ready to move out of Mississippi to Detroit. Uh-huh. And I got all these calls from so many angry people saying, why did you quit that show? What did happen? And I was like, oh, were you watching? And they were like, are you kidding? <laughs> and it, it really hurt me that I had canceled the show because no one kept me abreast mm. of what the ratings were. Like yeah. Anything. yeah. And so I'd film the show on Thursday nights and the show was aired Sunday mornings at mm. six o'clock. Mm-hmm. But, in the South, people get up early. Right. And so I didn't realize that they were getting up looking at the show. It was a great show. In fact, Frank Williams, the late Frank Williams from the Jackson Southern Airs that I grew up with, mm-hmm. he had the show first. And when he decided to stop it, I took it over from him. I said, I'd like to have that show. He said, well, why don't you take the show and do it? And that's how I got into the TV thing, WLBT. Great. So was it, um, you know I, I've not seen it, I'm afraid, but was it a talk show? Was it a ministry? Was it... Um... it? It was a ministry. I did a gospel album wow. called Truth and Reality, and those are the songs that, but it was more of an inspirational, the word mm-hmm. kind of a show where gotcha. I would just share with people the goodness and the greatness of God and the things that are going on around us and yeah. just pray and worship with them and play that music. I played everything that I get my hands on for everybody. And it was just a free range show. You Lovely. Know? It sounds like yeah, a lot yeah. of fun. What, how did you feel about TV rather than, um, than performing on the boards on the stage? Was it exciting, but different or? It was exciting because it was a small show and it was only two people involved. So I <laughs> basically was producing myself. Right. Honestly. And I had no knowledge of TV on that level of production, of producing myself in production at all. And I, I wanted new furniture. I didn't have the right <laughs> furniture. And I had to put some blue, some blue curtains up behind for the camera. And But I had a great tech team. And they were very compassionate and very humble. And, and they helped me tremendously. Without them, it could have never happened. My cameraman and all the guys at the board in the room, the control room. And, so, and Sandra McCree, she was my co-producer uh, on that show. Uh, she worked for WLBT. Uh, and we worked it out together, she and myself, and we—it was good. Lovely. I look back at it. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Uh, just a couple of years later, you had an unexpected reunion with um, with the Spinners. John Edwards, bless him, stuff, suffered a stroke in two thousand, and um, they asked you if you'd come back and lead. How was that? Yeah, John. Yeah, John fell ill, um, and I got a call from 
a friend of mine, Miss Diane Brown in Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. She said, look, the spinners have a situation. Said I give them your number because no one knew where I was. Okay. I was in Mississippi. And I, I was gone. And, yeah. You know, living a good country life, milking yeah. cows and <laughs> plowing in the fields and all that stuff, you know. Oh, I'm <laughs> so, a country boy. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, so she uh, said, can I give them your number? And I said, of course. So she gave the number to Mr. Buddy Allen, who was the spinner's manager at that time. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Allen gave it to Bobby, and Bobby called me, and he said, look, man, John is a little sick. What are you doing? So I had a little band together, and um, I'd been in Myrtle Beach, South okay. Carolina, and working there with my band. And so I said, well, what's up? And he said, well, we need you on. we got some gigs, and we need you on. I said, well, okay. So I just folded what I had, stopped doing what I was doing, and went and joined them. And I, four days after he called me, we opened up in Detroit. I was back home again with the guys. And I stayed with them from 2000 to 2003. Yeah. Yeah. At, yeah. W- at which time you got another call in, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I spoke with uh, Mr. Shelley Berger, the manager of the Temps. Mm. Uh, Otis and uh, I guess Shelley got together and said, well, look, you know. And I was talking to Shelley, ironically, and I said, look, Shelley, I would love to open up for the Temps. You know, <laughs> I heard him kind of giggle on the other phone. He said, well, uh, we don't want you to open up for the Temps. We want you in the Temps. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And so it was a hard decision for me. Like, That's a great group. Oh, you know, uh, yeah, not much. Too, but, yeah. You know, when you talk about being a temptation, you think of something a little yeah. different. Probably because I was used to being a spinner, made it easy for me to realize uh, how technical these guys were. The spinners were they're not well, a group. I mean, yeah. these guys are beautiful. But when I spoke with Otis and Shelly, then I realized that I needed to be able to help them if I was going to join the group mm. and Otis flew me into South to North Carolina where they were performing and to observe the show. So I set up in the back of the auditorium and uh, the theater and I watched the show and um, it came clear to me that maybe we can, you know, do something to help if it's what they're looking for. Mm. And I made up my mind to go with them and, Stayed with them for five years. Yeah. With, yeah, the Tim. Yeah. Recorded. Great group of guys. Yeah, Otis is just a great cat, man. I mean, he, he's done some things to keep this group together for the years, and he's to be commended for that. I mean, it's just just brilliant. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. You, um, you recorded an album called Reflections, and uh, you yeah. sang lead on one of the tracks that was nominated for a Grammy. How cool is yeah. that? How sweet it is to be loved by you. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Mr. Gordy wrote that song. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Marvin did it. He did, yeah. Uh, and then we did it, and they nominated us for a Grammy. And um, that was the second album. The first album was called Legacy. Okay. With Attempts. Yeah, I did two albums with Attempts when I went back, and I've done two albums with the Spinners. So that uh, is a great accomplishment for me. I'm just humble and, and full of gratitude for all of these things that so many people have done to help me to get in and stay in this business as long. And I thank God for them, you know, really. So uh, I'm okay. <laughs> and, and in between those two stints with the Spinners and the uh, the Temptations, you also had found time somehow to um, record a solo LP called Shadows. Yeah, Shadows is the best work I think I've ever done. Oh, I tell you, I love my house. Another track that you co-wrote. Let's have a listen.
Oh, come on over to my house, <laughs> right around the block. And the funny thing about it is, I only had twelve thousand dollars right. to do that album. So I, you know, it was like pennies in the jar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the cookie jar broke three piggy banks. <laughs> uh, thought about robbing an old lady, but I realized she didn't have no money. And so, <laughs> so I took the twelve thousand, went up to Minnesota with Prince and them, and uh, went over to Minneapolis um, and uh, Ben Obi. A yes. friend of mine, Ben was the producer, and we sat there and went through this stuff. And Ben did some mixing and stuff on the stuff, and we did the recording. And bam, shadows! So yeah. it was just a great adventure for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and a great resort as well. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about the GC Cameron Sanctuary. The sanctuary is a place where I was born and baptized down at McCall Creek. Oh, and right. It's about fifty acres of land. My grandfather once owned it, and uh, it was confiscated by slave owners. Uh-huh. And um, it's the most beautiful place in the world. So I had a vision about 45 years ago when I was living in Beverly Hills, uh-huh. and I wanted to go home and build a sanctuary, a place of beauty, a place of peace and tranquility mm-hmm. uh, near the little river because it was just such a magnificent place for me as a child. And as an adult, when I go home, that's where I go. And so I wanted the sanctuary to be something different where people could come in, spend as much time as they want before they leave and continue to come back, recycle that spirit and build a family uh, kind of environment. And when I say family, I mean a global human family. Yeah. 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 Just to help people with mental health issues and sort of um, recharge themselves. Yeah. Even a, a preschool for a lot of children who don't go to school, something really that the community will take care of Mm -hmm. and put that back into the minds that we can take care of each other as human beings. And it doesn't have to be someone feeding you, spoon feeding you, but we can do that for the whole community. And that's what the sanctuary is about. It's a place of safety and sanctuary. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful vision. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Lovely. So um, tell me about your collaboration with Dub Nation. Dub Nation. That's, that's Frank Caruso. Frank, was our road manager with the Temps. Okay. Uh, he did everything. He took care of us. I mean, the, I mean, top of the line guy. And Frank and I have done two or three reggae CDs together, and we just finished a new CD. Okay. Just now finished it, and it's called GC Cameron, Out of the Shadows. So it's really a segue from Shadows right. to Out of the Shadows. Yeah. So that's hot off the press. When when will that be released? Do you think? I don't know what Frank's plans are for it at the moment, but it's going to be real soon because he's mixing the last. In fact, the single will probably be "I'll Be Around." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just recorded that again, yeah. and so it's yeah. So he's thinking about releasing that as a single. I'm sure "I'll Lovely. Be Around" and uh, great. So it's going to be a fantastic album. I'm telling you, I love it. God, I look and forward to it that. It came to be such a strange way because we pieced it together. I was in Jacksonville, Florida. Frank flew down, and we went in the room, and I he played some tracks. I played about 15 or 20 tracks, and I wrote lyric and melody to all those tracks. Then we went back, and he started taking stuff from this and taking stuff from that, and we wound up with this incredible album. So it's uh, it's an interesting thing, man. Really. Excellent. It must be an exciting time. Then you got a, a new CD out. Am I right in thinking you're also writing a book? Yeah, we're doing... Uh, the G.C. Cameron story, which is from the cotton fields to Beverly Hills and back again. Mm-hmm. How's that going? And that, yeah, uh, We haven't really started production as far as writing the book yet. And it's just a matter of finding the right people 
who uh-huh. understand what it is and where I'm coming from with this book because it contains so much stuff. It contains well, you've got so much to tell. Years. So is it is it in note form at the moment and it needs to be scripted or um the book is I'm telling the story now but we're finding that in fact I think I got a meeting with the writer okay. tomorrow. Lovely. And that's where we'll put it. Lovely. So that's exciting as well. Um um right, so you're about to be coming to the UK. How exciting is that? Uh, yeah, I'm here. How many dates yeah, are you doing? Because you're coming across in March, aren't you? Yes, uh, March, we, uh, yeah, and uh, June. Well, June, Black, yes, the Blackpool yeah, International Blackpool. Soul Festival. Uh, I'll talk about that yeah. in just a moment, because that is one okay. event. That's outstanding. Um, your your uh, solo dates in the UK, uh, do you know mm-hmm. what cities you're going to be performing at yet? No, my manager is putting it together now. Miss Jesse is uh, hooking everything up. Okay. Uh, so I'm waiting to get um you know what it's going to be that's fine let me know um what your dates are and i'll give them a bit of a push and uh, and then let's talk about blackpool international soul festival but first i want to play another track from your shadows cd Uh, this is called wait till tomorrow There we have a track called Wait Till Tomorrow. So before that, we were talking about your forthcoming dates in the UK, and in particular, Blackpool International Soul Festival. Now, I've been there's been four preceding ones. I've been to all of them, and they just get better and better, and that's saying something, because the first year was outstanding. And, wow. um, and Yeah, uh, there's, there'll be 4,000 people there, easily. Ooh, easily. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Blackpool's <laughs> going to be wonderful. Wow, this is great. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to it. I love being in the UK. It's a it, it it's a place where you still get respect for your yeah. music. There's a lot of love. And I, I appreciate that. Lovely. Have you worked with yeah. the other artists before that are on with you on that are sharing the bill? No. Uh no, I haven't. Well, that'll be this nice will be as the well. First time. Yeah, this'll be nice. It'll yeah. be really great and uh I'm looking forward to it. I think uh the gentleman who does the Blackpool, I just did a show with him in Detroit. Oh, what, Richard Serling uh, and Kev Roberts? Yes, and uh, we did uh, Motown or Go-Go. Oh, no, that's um, that's Phil Dick. Different gentleman, well, oh, he, he does okay. Cleethorpes. Okay, yeah. yeah. But that's a big no, success no. as well, isn't it? Yes, it was. It was extremely. I mean, you know, the place was packed. I think about a thousand people came over yeah. from the uk to detroit yeah well it's going to be even bigger next year because he's, he's running yeah. it in the uk next year so oh, um good. Yeah. yeah people like me that don't have passports uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be able to go along and uh, enjoy that brilliant is it last year's event phil dick had carolyn crawford um headlining Kevin, i can't yeah, remember who was on the year before yeah she's a great artist great person yeah yeah great I, great I interviewed her on the show a few uh, a few months ago lovely lady right um thanks very much for your time i've certainly oh, enjoyed talking with you and that's uh, my pleasure i look thank forward to meeting you much. in june next year if not before god, god bless you man thank you so much right have a great rest of the day thanks again you too sir bye-bye bye right i'm going to play out now with a track that was only released in the uk on the flamingo label this is live for love 